0: Welcome to Bot It Up, a project with a simple mission, to destigmatize mental health through the power of storytelling. My name is Meg and I am stoked to be your host today and to introduce a new guest of ours, Brendan Ma. Brendan has been heavily involved in the mental health space throughout his career, having worked at Lifeline as a general manager, he was a CEO of IUOK for six years, before commencing his current role at the Movember Foundation as the Global Director of Men's Mental Health and Suicide Prevention. We thought it'd be relevant to release this episode today given that it is that time of year where we can all get behind the November cause and grow your own mo move for november or even mow your own way which is something that brendan speaks about in our conversation today so without further ado i hope you enjoyed this episode with brendan and um hope to see you on on the other side so brendan thank you so much for joining me here at uh bottled up we really do appreciate it and uh yeah we're looking forward to this conversation
1: no worries I hope I don't let you down it took us a little while to get here but here we are
0: yeah. Think. yeah it's a great thing it's definitely a good thing and I'm sure you won't let us down um it's actually weird because um today I was, I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and I actually came across a November ad that uh, that was filmed I think it's, it's a it's the suicide uh, notes uh campaign where um you know uh, suicide survivors appear on the screen and, and they're reading their own suicide notes and um, at the end of the video, they sort of say how long ago they wrote those suicide notes and yeah. they were sort of highlighting the fact that they're still alive, that they're still alive and kicking today. And, and the man- and the fact that they met, ma- that they managed to, to find a way through, uh, by talking, um, to other people and, and, and seeking support from, from, from those close around them. And yeah, I, I thought it was really, really, um, yeah, a really moving video. Cause um, I remember watching that and I, and I felt a sense of, um, a hope in, in, in a lot of other people who are going through the same thing as well. Yeah.
1: It's, um, it's a really powerful campaign and, and you know, they're real people. They're, they're, they're real guys who are sharing their story. And, uh, you know, I suppose the key message there is that they were at the depths of despair and um, they got through that moment and things got better and they're all doing well now and they're all living a contributing life. And I think that's a really powerful message, um, you know, particularly for guys when, you know, you can be going along, just find one moment and then everything in your life can be turned upside down and you can be in the midst of a, of a massive uh, crisis. And, you know, unfortunately um, that can be a very dangerous place for, you know, for some men and boys. And we've all got these incredible resources that are, you know, kind of held hostage by fear and stigma. And they're our, I suppose our eyes to notice that something's not quite right with someone, Our our, our mouths to, to ask, the question, um, and our ears to listen uh, to the answer. It's hugely important because we're often the first point of defence for people. Um, we're really well positioned. I'm talking about this from a help giving perspective, right? So, um, if I'm if I'm concerned about about someone, what can I do to get alongside them and support them? And we're actually really well positioned as mates, uh, family members, colleagues to kind of notice changes in behaviour and to start the process of that journey towards um, getting to a better place. And, you know, quite often it's just enough to give someone an opportunity to be heard and listened to and validated um, for them to, you know, to feel better and more in control, uh, understood and and able to kind of uh, move on um, or to, you know, uh, seek an appropriate pathway or action to, you know, to get themselves to a better place. So, yeah. Often, often it's the first, you know, the first chance that we've got um, is to, is to talk to someone close to us. And, you know, for some people that's harder because, you know, loneliness and isolation is a, um, you know, it's a big thing, you know, at some stage of the the conversation journey, um, you know, conversations are going to be too big for you and I, and, and they need to be had with, with a professional and the, the experience with uh, you know with the process of accessing professional support is always different for everyone. Um, but for those who you know who engage in the process and 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 find um, persevere and sometimes you have to persevere uh, and find you know a good therapist or a good counselor um, or a good approach, the, the the benefits can be you know extremely um you know extremely positive so yeah i'm a big uh big believer in um you know in the support that you can you can access from you know from a professional um 100
0: mm, yeah and, and you raised you used a really good word there um brendan it was uh perseverance and it actually reminds me of a guy um that we've actually spoken about recently called, uh, called kevin um kevin Hines. i'm not sure if you've heard of his name
1: yeah, yeah absolutely
0: yeah no no kevin heinz he's really awesome and um and so, so just to give, you know, our audience a bit of context um, around his story, he actually survived a suicide attempt and, and he now uses his experience to, to help other people who, you know, have, have sort of experienced, uh, who are going through a very similar kind of experience. And he, he actually survived a very significant, you know, suicide attempt and he, he kind of sustained, um, you know, very sort of significant injuries from it. And he actually released a, a documentary around his experience and, and and considers you know other people who in in that documentary he also speaks to people other people who are in a similar position and and you know the fact that they've had to take sort of drastic action and drastic measures to you know i guess sort of stop the stop the pain they're in um and they they kind of serve as a as a symbol of hope in that you know they've they've survived and they managed to get through that tough period that tough period um in their life um Sorry, I'm not sure if I explained that. Uh, good, good, good. No, no, you're explaining bit,
1: um... it. You're explaining it well. You know, I think you know. Sometimes we, you know, we've heard those who have uh, survived a, a suicide attempt, um, you know, will will say that they didn't actually want to die; they wanted the pain to stop. And you know, um, yeah. yeah, I've I've met Kevin, and you know, I'm I'm well aware of his, you know, well aware of his story, and um, yeah, there is you know, there's, there's, there are, you know, lots of recollections of people who have, um, have been in that situation and have, um, you know, wanted to, or those who have survived um, and have, uh, you know, kind of understood the gravity of, of, of that decision um, at a point where, um, you know, it, might, it might've been too late to come back, but as, as, you know, um, as it would happen, they have, uh, you know, kind of managed to survive and and, and tell their story. So um yeah and you know we often find that many people who have been down that road um will use that experience to try and help others um so yeah. that others don't have to go through where they were which is what uh, which what kevin does um absolutely
0: yeah and another thing he also mentioned as well was around uh, another key takeout for me was um in his documentary he also interviews other people who have you know attempted suicide and you know i want to try and phrase this sort of correctly um i think you know he, he mentioned that you know when people were making that attempt um their first instant reaction was that you know they you know it was instant regret and it was just really interesting to see that you know some at some you know somewhere deep down there there was there was a part of them that still wanted to be living and um and still be present with their with their fr- with their friends and families and loved ones and like you said brendan like often you know people want the pain to kind of stop and you know they, they take that measure which is it's really saddening um and you know but it's also very hopeful in the fact that you know that that there are people like kevin and, and, and multiple other suicide survivors who are now in a position where they're enjoying life and and they're reaping the rewards for um you know for for for, for kind of sticking through that that very tough period of time and it's something that you know i i don't think i've I, c- I can fully comprehend i've touched what i've never i've never experienced that but um it's it is truly you know it's it is inspirational and I can even tell by you know the passion in your voice that as you as you're talking there. I can tell that you know that there is that 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 kind of um, that passion for mental health. Where does that kind of kind of come from? What initially got you started in, in mental health? Because you're, you're kind of you obviously worked over three or four different organisations um, during your time. Like, what what initially got you started in mental health?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a good question. I actually I, I've got a background in um, in advertising and comms and brands, So um, in in the, I'm trying to think when it was. Um, the mid 2000s, I suppose it would have been. Um, I was working as a senior brand um, strategist in a consulting role, and I actually worked with Lifeline Australia. They a client um, to to read to look at their brand and to sort of bring their brand from where it where it had been, you know, for many many years into you know and to, to modernise it. And it was a process that kind of took about. 12 to 18 months and at which time I kind of engaged with this really, you know, incredible network of amazing um, sort of center managers and volunteers. And ultimately we got the, we got the process done and finalized and, and, and it's very similar to the brand they've got today. And at the end of that process, the, uh, the CEO at the time uh, who I was working with Dawn O'Neill um, sussed me out and said, look, would you be interested in stepping over to the community sector? And um, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest, but I, you know, the advertising game isn't for you. Don't see many really old people in it. Like it, it burns you out pretty quick, right? So I'm thinking <laughs> uh, we might have a yeah, we might have a bit of a um, have a look at this. So, um, I stepped over, and initially the the role Dawn, Dawn had sort of bigger plans. Um, but at the time there was a role to set up a cannabis information helpline um through some funding from the federal government and it was out of a out of a building in in sydney in gordon and so i was completely out of my depth i was dealing with you know telcos and builders to set up a helpline and getting all the staff trained and all that kind of stuff but i managed to fudge my way through it and um that sort of evolved into a into a national fundraising manager role Um, Lifeline didn't have a kind of national fundraising function um, established at the time and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no fundraising experience whatsoever. I'm thinking I've bounced from, you know, from setting up a helpline to being a fundraising manager and I've made every mistake you could possibly make in the book. Like it was just, you know, it was a disaster. Um, but somehow I managed, you know, kind of progress my career um, within Life Fine and and look, learnt a lot, and we had we actually had a lot of success. Um, you know, um, it was a great experience, and I was there for about seven years. And um, at the end of that journey, there'd been a bit of a shift in in some of the senior leadership, and um, the organisation was restructured. And and out of that, I had an opportunity to to stay um, or to go. Um, and with the advice of the patron at the time, uh, John Brogdon, he's still there. He's a great man, um, good mate of mine. Um, he said, look, Brendan, you've made a great contribution here. Um, you know, I think, that, you know, progressing your career is, you know, probably outside of um, our lifeline, you know, spread your wings and try something else. And it was a, it's great advice. And I didn't have a job to go to and I had a bit of a breather. I went and did the Kokoda track and, you know, tried oh, nice. to figure out oh, – wow what my next move was annoyed, you know, probably annoyed my wife Tanya a lot by being at home and, you know, not getting off my ass and you know <laughs> looking for a job. But anyway, as, as it would happen, um, Dawn O'Neill, who was the the first CEO when I was at Lifeline, um, was doing some work with with an organization called R U OK, which, which is well known in Australia. And, um, they were looking to recruit a general manager, um, under a part-time CEO and, um, uh, Dawn called me and said, "Look, would you be interested in applying for this job?" And um, look, she said, "Look, throw your throw your uh, application in." I did that. and went through the whole process, and um, yeah, I, I was um, I was given the job, which was which was pretty amazing. And uh, um, you know, when I got there to AOK, okay, they were it was 2013. Um, Gavin Larkin, who was a founder, had died two years earlier. Um, there was four people in the organization. So there's only, um, there's about 14 or 15 now. It's not, a, it's not big. Um, it feels a lot bigger than it is. Yeah,
0: it does. Yeah. yeah so definitely.
1: there's 15, I think there's 15 staff now. Um, I, I'm oh, still really? on the board okay. there. But um, yep. yeah, they were still, it was very close, close and tight and they were still grieving Gav. And it was a kind of place where, you know, if you're, people were ordering t-shirts and the team were stuffing them into postal bags and, and sending them out. So it was very, very grassroots. Um, I had a five year plan there. And after five years, I said to the board chair, to Mike Conahan, I said, Mike, um, I need to spread my wings and, you know, pass the leadership on to, to someone else It's mm. um, that needs fresh eyes. Um, you know, I might convince me to stay for another year because yeah. it was AUOK's 10th year, Yeah, uh, okay. which I did. And yeah. I loved, yeah. I loved every minute of it. Mm. And, um, at the end of that i i drew a line in the sand and um i finished up yeah. and i finished on my terms um left the organization in great shape to Catherine newton who's the current ceo who was um an employee she was a campaign director and Catherine's a wonderful person and she's doing an amazing job and but i left without a job <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> again and i thought well, yeah. i should have done that yeah. but very 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 soon after that um I'd started talking to, to Movember and there was a role at, for, as a global director of their mental health and suicide prevention portfolio. And mm. I didn't think I was a chance, um, mm. to be honest. I, I It just looked like such a big job, um, yeah. but I threw my hat in the ring and, um, yeah, I've been there now for for about uh, a little bit over two years mm. and, um, yeah, it's been incredible, and it's a, it's an amazing organisation. It's the biggest men's health charity in the world. You know, it's a men's health charity, so um, unapologetically, we mm. focus on, um, you know, stopping men and boys from dying too young in the areas of prostate yeah. cancer, which um, kills mm. lots of men, testicular mm. cancer, which is a, a really common cause of cancer for young men, and yeah. mental health and suicide prevention, which, um, which we know that, uh, you know, that suicide... Um, is a profound um, challenge, one of the biggest challenges of our time. So, um, mm. Movember is about changing the face of men's health, and um, you know, using our, our global footprint and and reshaping the way that we um, engage men, and and we engage them in a in a particularly way, a particularly Movember mm. way, in a way that only Movember can. So. Yeah,
0: no, no, exactly, no, that, yeah. that's, that's so true. And you said it there as well around um, you know, changing the face of men's health, and I think. We we quite literally you know kind of are changing the face with, of men's health given that everyone's growing a mo and um and when you when you have a look at November and, and and the mo and, and someone who grows a mo in November it's actually a really good conversation starter it's very similar to Are yeah. You Okay in that sense in terms of getting that conversation around mental health and and giving and going even further to that um you know men's health as well but um one of the things that I really love about November as well is how global it's a, it's really just a global kind of success story um and it has that kind of a global outreach i know i've noticed that movember has been very much um doing a lot of work in the uk at the moment and i even saw a um, a really cool video um that was posted by movember around the story of nathan adrian um yeah. the american olympians uh, olympic swimmer who um who battled with t- testicular cancer and he talks a bit about you know um, you know the struggles that he faced with you know having one testicle and all that stuff. So it's really good to have that um, global nature. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's got you know it's got this yeah. global presence and it's um you know it's it's, it's an incredible um, success story in um, yeah. in mobilising the community for good. So um, yeah, it's a, certainly um, a great privilege to be able to to uh, you know to be entrusted with uh, you know with the funds that our donors and supporters give us to, to seek better outcomes for, you know, for men and blokes and men and boys, and hopefully, you know, ensure that more, you know, dads, brothers, uncles, mates, you know, are able to go home to their families every day.
0: Yeah. Another thing you, you mentioned in your story as well, I mean, I wanted to unpack that, you know, a little bit as well, um, was around the un- sort of uncertainty in your life. And I mean, I mean, you mentioned this um, a couple of times actually where, um, you'd left your job and, and you went to, to the Kokoda trail and there was a there was a sort of a period in your life where you were kind of unemployed at the time and um, it sort of takes me back to um, you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, in that you know in that it sort of gives us insight into the human psyche in terms of you know what we value as humans so such as like you know it's like it's sort of like a pyramid and and, and, and sort of at the second layer is is is, is um you know um, the fact that we value, certainty and security in our lives um i was hoping if you could you know maybe take us into a little bit into like a little bit deeper into that and um whether you could you know maybe tell us a bit more about your mental health journey throughout your life
1: yeah for sure like you know look only uh only a health professional can provide a diagnosis of mental ill health right that's so i i haven't experienced to my knowledge um diagnosed mental ill health myself but you know, life has def- definitely happened. Uh, you know, I've experienced grief, uh, relationship breakdown, stress, loneliness. Um, you know, one thing that that I was warned about when I joined Lifeline was this this kind of concept of, of vicarious trauma. And my CEO at the time, Dawn O'Neill, um, told me to be careful. Um, be careful of uh, of vicarious trauma trauma because it's kind of which is kind of this. Uh, empath- empathetic engagement with trauma survivors. So, vicariously, you, you're hearing lots of, of stories and experiences from people that have got um, lived experience. And when you're in the suicide prevention space, um, and, and less so with um, less so with Lifeline, a lot more so with AUK okay in, in the community outreach that I did, you can't actually help but be impacted by the stories and experiences that people openly share with you um, because there's no filter on the stories. You hear everything. Um, you know, we've got guidelines around how we um, talk about uh, suicide and mental health in the media and, and you know, language and what, what we do and we don't do. There's no guidelines on a conversation with a grieving mum in a country town in Queensland when you, so, so these, these things sit with you. And um, so at the time I thought, oh, if I carry a 12, not going to, I'm a you know, tough bloke, I'll be right. Um, and, you know, it's, you also find that people will openly share in, in a lot of, um, in a lot of social situations, but I found this a lot uh, with my role at U OK, it was a very public role. Um, you, you just become a, um, a target for, for people to, to share kind of what's going on. And that's a huge privilege, right? It's, it's a massive privilege for someone to trust you enough. Um, but it was, you know, it was probably more about, you know, what I represented. Um, so you, you kind of, you had to kind of get, you had to work out some strategies to manage that for a start because um, you didn't always want to be cornered um, at a barbecue with someone you didn't know and just just hearing every, you know, aspect of their, their life and their troubles because you, I might not have been a good headspace myself. So, you know, there were times and, and it did kind of creep up on me. Um, I was bearing a lot of this stuff and probably not processing it or talking to it with, with tenure or friends. Um, and I probably tried to find the answers, you know, in the bottom of a beer bottle. Not that I had, you know, a problem with alcohol, but and trust me, there's no answers in the bottom of a, of a beer bottle, but you kind of think, look, um, seeing a professional is actually a much more way better, better effective way of processing these feelings and so I started doing that you know I, I have a regular catch up with my with our employee assistance um, program uh, very much at AUK um, less so at November because there's not a much of it at, at November it's still there and I'm probably due for a um, session actually um, but yeah I think um, absolutely look I, I, I'm very aware that I'm um, I'm walking a thin line, and and you can step step into that into that um, into that space of being um, well or being you know um, particularly vulnerable or um, unwell very very quickly. Um, you know, I have days where I take a mental health day, and you know, um, just recuperate, recover, um, do nothing, because I know that. Um, I'm not going to be the best version of myself if I don't um, don't take the time out to, to to look after myself. So that you know, from my perspective, look from a family perspective, um, yes, we have um, we have experience of, of mental health in my family. Um, these aren't my stories to tell. Um, you know, I've I've got um, yeah, I've got um, you know a brother who's got a. Um, uh, diagnosed uh, mental illness bipolar that he manages damien doesn't mind me talking about this um but you know i, I guess you know in life one or two of us are gonna ex- you know one in two of us are going to experience you know some form of mental ill health in our lifetime and one in five of us um or 20 percent of the population are, are experiencing some form of mental ill health right now so you know it's um it's like any illness, um, it's out there. Um, it's you know, uh, I think we should be you know we, we tend to be uh, keen to, keen to be scared of COVID and run away from that with all of the stuff we're doing. But you know, we don't need to be um, afraid of um, of mental ill health. Um, the more that we know about it, the more that we understand it, the more that we um, realise that many many people are and do and live contributing, fulfilling lives um, and manage mental ill health um, and many people that we would work alongside every day are doing that just now and doing it well um, probably finding it finding it hard some days um, and those of us without um, um a mental illness have got you know we've got spot fires burning in the background we've got big bushfires sometimes you know to use the the analogy around life so um and things can change very quickly so we can you know keeping an eye on each other is is hugely important so that's probably all I'd really um, have to say about it. I, I certainly um, would absolutely um, seek um, professional support or, or a um, professional opinion if I was, um, you know, feeling sad or, or uh, you know, unmotivated for a period of, you know, more than a week or two. I would go and see my GP. Um, I wouldn't be afraid of um, of the outcome of that discussion being look, like we um you know you, there might be something there and we, we mm. need to get you some help and and try and get you well and get the get the pendulum back into you know back, back in, into sync
0: yeah back into swing yeah, so, yeah. no th- that makes perfect mm. sense and, and and thanks so much for sharing that and, and there's so much that there's so much to what you what you mentioned um i mean you spoke about vicarious trauma you know that idea of you know the trauma that you experienced through other people's lived experience um now, and I think that yeah. there are times in yeah, and, and there are times in people's lives where you know potentially you're not in the right headspace to help someone else, either because you know you're going through some stuff of your own, or or you just don't have the bandwidth to be helping and supporting everyone that sees you as a as kind of a that pillar of support. Um, how did you go about you know conducting those types of conversations? Because of course, at the end of the day, you you do want what's best for 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 them and and for their life, but you also have to you know take care of yourself and, and manage your own mental well-being how did you go about you know having those conversations
1: you've got to put up some boundaries
0: mm.
1: um, okay yeah one of the strategies that i use are um you know in 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 you don't want to fit anyone to not feel validated or that what they've got to say is important um mm. a quick boundary to, to put up um you know and it all depends on the relationship with your with this person but um look, I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm very happy to have a chat with you, but I've got, I've literally got, um, you know, kind of 10 minutes because I've got to, um, you know, I've got to do this and you kind of, yeah, you put some framing around it. Um, and within that, um, I would always have a, um, something to signpost that individual to, um, as a, as a next step, um, or a next action, um, the, the other thing is just to be really, really honest and say, um, look, I really feel like this conversation is too big for me. Um, and you'd be, you'd be really, I really want to, want to encourage you to see a, you know, to see a professional or or to, um, to talk to, you know, a close family or friend, particularly for someone you don't know well. Um, but just, you know, acknowledging that it's, it's, uh, it is a conversation that's, that's that's too big. Um, and look, I, I don't think I'm really, you know, prepared or able to, um, you know, I, I don't have, um, I don't have the solutions here. I can, I can certainly be a be a pair of ears. Um, but you, you've you've you you have to establish pretty quickly, I think, whether um, you're in the right headspace um, yourself to be able to um, to have a conversation, and particularly when it's um, when it's, you know, when it when it when it hits you out of the blue. Um, obviously, if you're asking someone, are they okay? Or um, look, you've seemed a bit down lately. Um, is everything all right? Um, you should be prepared for, you know, an, a, a fair investment of your time. Um, you've opened it um, and, you know, you should give it the time it needs. Um, but also in that in that context, um, have a plan to, um, you know, transition out of it um, and to ensure that that person's got some, um, you know, some action that they're, they're going to take to hopefully get mm-hmm. themselves to a better place. We use the... The conversation model that are you okay which is Alec alEC ask mm, listen yeah. encourage action and check in
0: yeah definitely no that's that's very that's very well said and I think that's uh that's a, a lot of tangible information that I think people can definitely sort of take out of this conversation so far um, I think um, one of the things that you that you also touched on was this idea of you know of getting help and cycle and, psych- and, and having that the you know, psychology help I almost I almost like to liken it to just going to the gym really I think um, you know like i feel like i'm healthy right now but i still when gyms do open up i still go to the gym and, and sort of work out and um even when i'm even when things are well even when i am healthy and the same thing with mental health as well i think even when you are healthy it's always really good to go and and speak to a psychologist i mean like like we well like we mentioned in the very early on in the conversation um you know you could you can go and and you know have that attention for 40 40, 45 minutes, because I think it's it's very rare that someone has nothing on their plate. I mean, it, obviously, it's great—that's the ideal spot—but it's very, very, very rare that um, you know that, that that's uh, that that's the case.
1: Mm. Yeah, you're spot on. Like mm. you know, if you don't, if you look at a let's take a a, a farmer uh, for instance, right? So, any, anyone I know who works on the land, they take a huge amount of pride in in mm. um, and care in. Keeping their machinery um, maintained and in good order, mm. um, because if the uh, you know a tractor breaks down or the um, uh, you know their harvesting machine um, breaks down um, and they can't get their crop in, it's you know it can be catastrophic financially. So everything everything's kind of there and working and in good order. Um, you know, generally speaking, fences are up and fixed. Mm. Otherwise, your you, your stock escapes. But you know, um, often all of that's done, but, um, the most important resource on the farm is actually, you know, the farmer, he he or Mm. she, and, um, it's that kind of plumber's kitchen analogy. You know, the plumber goes around, fixes everyone else's um, plumbing and tapware, but their, their own plumbing's a a shit show at home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, you know, the most important resource is sometimes, you know, um, and, um, the most important thing on that farm is, um, is, is the farmer and, um, you know, um, he or she, or, or they, um, you know, if they actually put, you know, we're able to put the same amount of effort in, in maintaining their, um, you know, kind of, um, resilience muscle, I suppose. Um, and it's easier said than done, and it's easier Mm. for me, easy for me to sit here and, um, you know, not being, not being from the bush and and sort of Mm. say these sorts of things. But Mm. the reality is if, um, you know, if we've got a toolbox with, um, you know, I've got a toolbox with things in it um, for ourselves. Mm. Um, and these could be ideas or, um, you know, we're, we're, we're healthier or we um, we've got, um, an established pathway to, you know, to a therapist or whatever, um, during the good times, um, we're probably hopefully, um, better equipped to, to get through the tough times, um, mm. because we're starting from a higher base, right? Yeah. Um, same as if you want your, you know, if you need to, to, to pull your tractor out, um you don't want to pull it out and have the thing, you know, have a wheel fall off because you, you know, you haven't maintained it. Mm. Um, so that, that works in every aspect of life. Yeah, of course. Mm. If we, if we focus on it um, it's what you do when you're well, um, that really can really set you up for, for, for what happens when you know, things aren't good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's it actually really reminds me of, um, this psychologist um, Martin Seligman. Um, in, he's it's a really good quote that he says. It says, instead of fixing on what is wrong, you can actually build on what is strong. And I think like what you mentioned there, um, you know, I feel like if you can build yourself up mentally during um, those good times, it, it it's just you know it just better equips you to sort of deal um, with you know um, your mental health during those those bad times. And I think that's a, that's a super important point to, to make. And and you mentioned there around like farming and, and outdoors and you know I, I don't know why but that just that just reminds me of getting out of lockdown and um i i think just in terms of that as well do you think there's like a concern or do you reckon there's a valid concern around um you know around mental health post in a post-lockdown world in terms of you know the emphasis that is being put on this topic i mean like when we went into lockdown mental health was definitely a top of mind and even pre, in a pre-covid world it was but Um, It was definitely, you know, all over the news in terms of mental health and mental wellbeing during, you know, periods of isolation. Now that we're getting out of lockdown, do you see that potentially, you know, fading back into, you know, not being as important? Or do you, like, how do you sort of see mental health, you know, in the the pathway, you know, in a post-lockdown world?
1: Well, look, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, in in this country at least, in Australia, um, mental health has found its way to... You know, increasing prominence in in um, in in government policy, in you know, in kind of health settings, in workplaces, it's 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 really found its way to um, to the top. It's you know, it's a major concern for young people. It's acknowledged as you know, you know, what are, what are you kind of most yeah. you know, it, yeah. it consistently comes back as something that you know, um, people are most you know kind of um, worried about or concerned with. Um, yeah. Concerned with is probably a better better way to um, put it. So look i don't think it's just going to suddenly you know kind of be relegated to the to the back of the queue when, when yeah. we start opening up again um you know it's been a, I, I remember hearing recently it'll be a bumpy road out of this of oh, course yeah it probably will be but it's a bloody bumpy road into this yeah. <laughs> you know we're still we're still <laughs> yeah. on the goat track um exactly and and look there's going to be impacts i don't know i mean i don't i don't have a crystal ball i actually don't know i've been thinking about this question um, yeah yeah a post covid world's going to look different um, we'll have to, you know, in some ways we'll have to readjust to some of the old ways of working. You know, we, we talked about the new normal, um, we'll be much more conscious of, um, of of hygiene and social distancing. We might be, um, a society of, um, that's more grateful for, you know, for the things that we, we took for granted. Um, I think, yeah, look, I think I'm really hoping there's some really, really positive things that, that, that come out of this, um, Particularly in the the opportunities we've we've actually had to strengthen our um, our social scaffolding through technology that we just would not have used because we didn't need to, mm. um, and particularly like um, uh, older Australians who have had to engage with um, with technology in order to stay connected to um, you know to their to their kids and to see their grandkids and all that. Kind of, I think there's some profoundly good things that will come out of it. Mm. Um, yeah, there's going to be some residual um, trauma and, you know, there's there's probably been a lot of things that have happened that have, you know, that have pushed people uh, closer together in a more confined spaces. And, uh, you know, there's been probably a load of impacts on, um, you know, we know that has been on relationships, for instance, and, um, mm. you know, stress and um, parenting has been really hard for, for parents who have had to homeschool. Um and, you know so the the nature of um, the relationship with the kids is has probably evolved and changed at a, at, a, at a different pace so yeah I don't know I think um yeah it, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see but I, I I think it'll be I think it'll be very um very high on the you know on the agenda in a in a um, you know in a public health sense and I don't think um, I don't think, you know, suddenly releasing the shackles of COVID is going to make this any less of a priority for um, of course. you know, for government or, or for the community really. Yeah. That that's my hope, I suppose, <laughs> more than <laughs> um, you know, more than a forecast.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's good. I'm going to hold you to it, uh Brendan. Um, no, no. Um, but I think, you yeah, know, it, it's it's really interesting you mentioned there on social media. I think and in, in, in technology of of course it has its benefits like you mentioned in terms of reconnecting people. Um, but I think, like everything in life, that the, the answer is, is kind of in the middle of you know, um, just a, I guess a balance between you know you know too much social media and you know social media for the right reasons. I mean, social media, of course, is is um, is the cause of many kind of other mental health issues in terms of body image and anorexia and um, you know you know bullying and and all that stuff as well. So I think it's, it's kind of like a fine balance between you know the good the advantages and disadvantages of, of social media as well.
1: Oh, look, totally. Um, you know, there's, yeah. you know, the, 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 the mm. media, whether it's social or broadcast, I mean, we've, we've had, um, many, many decades and decades of, um, of, you know, sort of portraying what it's, what it's like to be, you know, the perfect person have the perfect body and, you know, to try and live up to, um, the, the,
0: the materialistic,
1: you know, to live up to what, you know, to, yeah, to what, you know, to what success looks like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, Look, I always, because I'm pathologically optimistic, I always um, try and focus on, you know, using social media as a, as a force for good yeah, and um, okay. you know, connection. Look, of course, um, it is, you know, it is worrisome. It's worrisome that so many of us um, are spending, you know, in excess of 40 to 50 hours a week on our devices and, mm you know for me imagine we just quarantined one of those hours to reconnect with someone we lost contact with um yeah so when you hold a mirror up to ourselves and we start to realize how absurd it is that um we're watching tv um we've got our phone vibrating in our pocket and we're on our iPads um yeah. and you know it's 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 really absurd <laughs> no um, it is and it's <laughs> and yeah. You, you, you have to have a conversation. Well, I know I have to, you know, if, if I'm because I do it. Um, oh, one hundred percent. A conversation with with your wife, and you are like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like, "What did I just say?" And I'm like, um, "Don't know." do I'm a guy, <laughs> and I can only do one thing at a time.
0: <laughs> oh no, well, no, I one hundred percent agree with that. There was actually, um, I, I remember I met uh, myself, my mum, and my sister. We went to um, we went to Noosa, probably one of the best like most best tropical places in in, in Australia. And um, we had a really nice view of the of the ocean and our bed was actually facing a massive, you know, glass panel and, um, and there was a beach outside. It looked really incredible. And um, I remember I woke up at like 8 a.m. I wanted to own the morning. So I woke up at 8 a.m. and um, wanted to go for a, for a <laughs> walk or something. And then um, I had my laptop and my laptop was literally I was slouching my bed and my laptop was literally covering my entire view of this beautiful beach that was right in front of me. And then my mum turned around and was like, "That is a what shame. What are mate. you doing? Shame like, on you! <laughs> oh know shame on me! Seriously, it's it's not it's not a good look. It's definitely not a good look. Um, you know, I am mindful that uh, you know, um, and we've been speaking for a while now, but I wanted to sort of end off with um, obviously with November sort of coming up, and um, you know, it, it's, it's, as I mentioned before, I can't can't sort of talk speak highly enough of, of the initiative um so how, how can we all get and get involved so for, for men and for women um how can we all get involved and and how can we support the movember cause
1: yeah look great question uh mate mm. obviously you know the genesis and, and dna of movember is is growing a mo mm. um so the rules are pretty simple um you shave off before the before the first of uh of november and you got a clean face and you you, you sign up um, you register. Um, and, you know, often if you've got a, you know, particular, uh, cause area that you're passionate about, you know, uh, prostate cancer, testicular testicular cancer, mental health, um, you know, you ask your friends and family to, to support you. And if you've got a connection to the cause, um, they'll probably know about it or, um, you know, you might need to explain to them why it's really, really important to you. And, um, you become part of a movement that's going to change the face of, of, of men's health. and mm. But that's not it because yeah. we can't all grow them yeah, And some of us don't want to. <laughs> and some of us can't because we've got, you know, professions that don't allow us to, or mm. um, we just don't have. Um, you just can't do it the, like me. just can't do it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and we've got, you know, our most sisters um, are awesome supporters, you know, the, the, um, the role of, um, we're a men's health charity, but we would be nowhere without our most sisters. Um, and, and often our most sisters will sign up to move for Movember. So Mm. moving from Movember is kind of running or walking 60 kilometers over the month. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's got a really important link. And it's basically, um, links to the, to the 60 men, um, males lost to suicide every hour globally. So, you commit to 60Ks over the month. You can run, you can walk, you can swim. Um, and, you know, you, you once again, you, you seek the support of your, your friends and family to support your efforts. Mm. You can host. You can host a moment. Um, looks like in some parts of the world we might be doing this online, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but something fun and easy, a trivia night, um, yeah. you know, uh, a happy hour, um, whatever it is. Um, or you can mow your own way. And mowing your own way is just doing um, whatever it is that you want. Um, you, you might go out for um, you might go out for lunch um, mm. with you know with 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 10 friends and get everyone to kick in you know mm. 20 bucks or something like yeah. whatever it is you want to do but look ultimately um, the, the money's one thing and it's great if you can raise funds because that that means that we can keep doing you know the work that we're doing mm. um, but you'll also be part of a you know part of a movement that um, is just by getting involved uh, that is you know collectively, Working to, to to change the face of, of men's health, and as I said earlier, may Mayank to keep more men and boys on the planet.
0: Yeah, that's that's a lovely message, and um, just to give people some ideas as well, um, we had a bottled up team uh, last year, so I think it was yeah it was me, and uh, we had a team of about uh, ten people, and one person uh, I'll give her a shout out, Trishti Gupta. Shout out to her. She um she decided to do her mo uh, her own way, and her one was doing. Uh, posting mental health related posts on our Instagram story, which was really really awesome. good. Yeah, it was really awesome. It was really good to see that. Um, I think I, I think I I grew yet last year. Um, it wasn't very good, but I th- I don't think I shaved before the month. I sort of got a bit of a head start uh, in 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 <laughs> in, uh, in, in October. Um, and then yeah, so then but it was it was it was, it was really good fun, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have uh, we'll have a team this year and, and thousands and if not millions of Australians hopefully. Um, we'll, we'll get around it and, and get involved. So,
1: um, well, that's a good thing about um, you know, if there's one one good thing about um, uh, about COVID is that um, you know, the mo is uh, is COVID proof, you can uh, you can you can grow it at home, you can you can grow it and you can share it regularly on zoom. And mm. uh, you know, it, it's also importantly, it's an opportunity for us to, to have a bit of fun. Mm. Um, mm. it is a good talking point, and um it does give us a chance to, to kind of do something meaningful in, you know, at a time when, you know, sometimes it is hard to sort of get ourselves going um, every day and, um, you know, to, to, to put some of those things that are keeping us awake at night, you know, um, to the back of our minds. Um, so this can be a, um, a healthy distraction, but not to distract us from talking about um, what's going on. It can be a great conversation starter as well.
0: hundred percent. That's a, uh... That's that's very well put. Um, but yeah, no, th- yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, we've, we've reached, I think we've, uh, we're almost, uh, I think we, I've, I've covered whatever, whatever I wanted to cover and, um, you are very, very well, very well spoken. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of sort of takeouts that I think a lot of people will take out of this conversation. So, uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on, uh, Brendan. Uh, I'm not sure if you have anything else you'd like to add, uh, to sort of close off this, this, uh, this, in this conversation.
1: No, mate. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, you know, really appreciate the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to to come on the on the program on the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks. If anyone's actually you know had the patience to listen <laughs> right through, I hope you've got something out of it.
0: I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that got through it. <laughs> they might skip over my parts, but I'm I'll hope that they can try and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
1: doubt it, mate. You're you're a good host. You're a good host. <laughs> uh,
0: thank thanks, Brendan. All right, cool. Well, um, that's it from us. Thank you so much. No worries. Well, there you have it. That's episode 31 done and dusted. We really do hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Since 2003, Movember has funded more than 1,250 men's health projects around the world, challenging the status quo, shaking up men's health research, and transforming the way that health services reach out and support. Um, Men in different areas of of mental and physical health So please do get behind the cause Sunny Ujwal and myself will definitely be getting around the cause Um, You will be seeing us in our Mo's very very soon Um, actually, Actually today, albeit I've actually started a couple of months back because I don't think I can grow a Mo as uh, as quickly as other people can. So uh, I've had a bit of a bad start, but hope you guys can get around the cause. And, um, you know, next week I've got a really cool guest. We've got Nick Brax, who's the um, he's the son of Steve Brax, uh, the Victorian Premier. So Sonny and myself sit down with him next week. And, um, yeah, we hope you guys have a great week and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Cheers.